Coming to bring the word. Welcome as you come. Hallelujah. Good morning. Let's. I'm not. I am too. Can I get some security, please? I just found out Angelia Johnson is a Christian, so now we can start using her videos in church. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of her yet, but Angelia Johnson, she's the bong quee lady. Sean Smith was standing with her the other day, and uh, security? Anyways, you guys will have to watch that later on. After you're done fasting and praying from your uh, social media, you can watch that later on. So it's good to see you guys this morning. It's a privilege um, always when pastor allows um, somebody to stand in the pulpit, and I never take that lightly. And uh, the first of the year to kick it off is, is special, um, is a special thing for a pastor to give up. So thank you, pastor, for entrusting me with the opportunity to minister this morning. Amen? Well, I thought pastor was going to leave you some room to take notes this morning, but maybe you can decorate on the sides of your outline this morning. And, uh, but let's bow our head in prayer. Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to stand in this room and minister your gospel. Father, we thank you for the great sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, and the price that he paid for every single one of our sins. Nobody here today is here by accident, but we are all here by divine appointment. And I ask in the next few moments that I have that Sean would step aside and your Holy Spirit would speak to every heart and life in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning I want to talk to you about releasing power through personal sacrifice. And uh, it definitely coincides with what Pastor is launching our church into with 21 days of fasting and prayer. And uh, this is something that God has been stirring in my heart over the last couple of weeks and months of, of just what God is asking of me as a leader, as a, as a father, as a, as a husband, as a, as a man of God. And what God requires of us in order to inherit the power that God has in store for us here on earth. Amen? Sometimes we, we, we live a Christian life, and I talk to a lot of people. I was actually talking with a young man in the gym the other day, and we were talking about you know, what it means to be a Christian and different things. And, and as we were talking, I just find so many times I feel like people serve God here on earth for what we get here on earth. We don't serve God. I think we've lost our focus is, you know what, I'm not serving Christ because of what I get here on earth. I'm serving Christ because it's my ticket to an eternal place. Amen? And we need to keep our eyes and our ears and our minds and our hearts fixed on the fact that we're only here for a temporary moment. Amen? We're only here for the blink of an eye. So this morning, hopefully I can encourage you, challenge you, um, inspire you to maybe take another step in your walk with God. Amen? Today I want to ask you, what is the price you will pay for a life that is pleasing to God? I think of the men and women of old and what it costs them for us to have what we have today. Think of our founding fathers and the men that lost their lives to, to build this great country that we have today that hopefully God will have mercy on for a little bit longer. But I wonder what God sees of our lives producing. Today I'm pondering in my life, is, really, is my life really at its full production? Or am I holding something back? See, God's not holding anything back from me this morning. Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 7 this morning. If you'd like to turn in your Bible, if not, I put it up on the board for you. It says, uh, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 7 through 9, hopefully you can read it. It says, There came unto him a woman having an alabaster box, a very precious ointment, poured it on his head, and as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. See, when it comes to serving and sacrificing unto God, it'll never make sense to the carnal man. The sacrifice that I bring to God, the, the way that I live my life, if I'm looking for other people to understand, I'm always going to miss out on the promise that God has for my life. See, the price you pay for a life of sacrifice will never look right in the eyes of others. I can't listen to what people think of my sacrifice or I will discredit its value and fall short of what could have been. Here's this woman. I mean, just get this picture. This woman bringing all that she has and here's the disciples sitting at, around the table and Jesus is there and she comes and, and she just begins to empty out everything she has. And as pastor calls the church to 21 days of fasting and prayer, I'm feeling convicted in my own heart and I'm like, God, what did this woman understand? that she was willing to pour everything she had 
Everybody in the room stood there and thought this woman was crazy. What is she doing? Doesn't she know that this could be sold and, and done greater things with than just to dump and waste it at the feet of Jesus? As pastor challenges us, I'm like, God, well, I, I got this routine and that routine and I do this and I do that and I got to eat this and I got to eat that. And, or can I stop and go, God, what are you asking me to sacrifice? Psalms chapter 63 and verse number one. I love reading David. I heard somebody say one time as David was writing these Psalms, he was not in his happy place. Amen. So many times we read the book of Psalms to be encouraged because we think David was just having a happy, good time and a good old life and everything was great and fantastic. But in reality, David wrote the Psalms in the greatest times of adversity of his life. Psalms chapter 63 and verse number one says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Psalms chapter 42 and verse 1 through 3 says, The deer pants for the water brooks, so my, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? This morning it is said that my devotion to God is a reflection of my unity with God. My devotion time is a direct reflection of my unity with God. It was the unity with God that enabled David to win against Goliath. David championing God's cause when no others would. It was the unity with God that helped Elijah stand against the 450 prophets of Baal when there seemed to be almost no one else serving the one true God. It was the unity with God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and replying to Nebuchadnezzar said, we are not going to serve your gods when practically everyone else did. Think about that. Standing three, four men. Standing when nobody else would stand. It was the unity with God that Jesus performed countless signs, wonders, and miracles throughout. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 15 and verse 5 through 6. This morning I submit to you as you're turning there, you can't have devotion without personal sacrifice. And that personal sacrifice creates unity with God. You can't have devotion without personal sacrifice. Romans chapter 15 and verse 5 through 6. This isn't on the board for you today. I'm going to make you turn your fingers. It says, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant to you to be one of the same mind with one according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is pastor calling a body of believers together for this very purpose? Why is he calling us together for 21 days to fast, to pray, so that we can be united as a body to come together, to conquer, to do, to, to create a place where God could use this body to do greater works than we've even begun to see? I have great expectations. God's done some amazing things in this last year. I do not regret 2011. I saw people last night posting, thank goodness 2011 is gone, and I'm just like, God, I thank you for 2011. I started thinking about the other day, Dana and I were driving, we were talking, I'm just like, God, what have you done? I started thinking about all the victories and, and the things that we've been a part of in ministry and the lives that have been changed and the people that God is using. Today, I want to ask you, number, point number one, why we fast and pray? Why does a body, why does a believer personally or corporately come together to fast and pray? See, fasting is the secret that unlocks heaven's doors and slam shut the gates of hell. Discipline of fasting releases the anointing, the favor, and the blessing of God in the life of a Christian. So if you're not content to go through this year the way you went through last year, now is the time to use the discipline of fasting to see your breakthrough. You know there's more. There's an assignment for your life. There's something God desires to release in your life. And there is a genuine desperation for those things gripping your heart. Some of you this morning, you're frustrated. You're, you're, you know there's a sense, there's a, there's a yearning, there's a hunger for something more of God. But you're, you're, you're lost, you're confused. You're just like, God, I don't know what it is and I don't know how to get there. But, but if I don't change, 
my personal devotion, my personal sacrifice. I will never see what God has in store for my life. Amen? Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. See, this morning, great moves of God are always birthed by people being hungry for God to do something greater than we've ever experienced so far. I don't know about you guys, but just like I said, I, I am so excited in what God has done, but I'm even more excited for what God's getting ready to do. Amen? I've seen God just blow doors open, change lives in an amazing way, and I'm just like, God, what are you getting ready to do in this next chapter? Amen? I'm not done with the book. I'm just getting started. See, as the body, we have given, have we given up because of the nature of society? God still looks for a righteous man in the land. I think of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and Abraham pleading with God. He said, if you could just find. I believe we're in a day and an hour where God is still looking for righteous men and women of God that will stand up and say, God, I don't care what it looks like on the outside. On the inside, I'm going to stand. I'm going to declare. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to be united with you so I can walk out these doors and I can conquer the things that you've called me to conquer. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse number 30. You can read this chapter and it talks of the dismay and the, and the disgust and the things that are going on in the land. And, and the prophet rises up and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. That I should not destroy it, but I found none. Listen to those words this morning. I sought for a man among them that, I should, that should make up the hedge. To stand in the gap before the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. My prayer today is that is not God's words for our lives. Amen. That God would look across this land and he would see a man, he would see a woman that is willing to stand to make up the hedge. Amen. In order to experience the fullness of God, my private life must be in order. This is where God is really challenging me right now. Somebody gave me a book and it says, Ordering your private life. And I didn't even get past the first page. And I had to repent. So many times we get so caught up in what's important when really they're the things that are the least important in our lives. This morning, what has more pull on me? Spiritual things or non-spiritual things? Is what I'm walking out something that has lasting value? You know, we got an Xbox for the home and a Kinect so we can interact and be the video game. And, you know, I'm the fruit ninja. I'm good, too, man. I got a high score. Oh, wait, maybe because that's the first one that ever played it. But anyways, all those things are great in their entertainment. But if that becomes my life. If that becomes everything I live and breathe and, and talk about, and we've been talking about that in our house of how these are fun and it's entertainment, but it can't be my sole purpose in existing. Amen? So what is most valuable to a believer? I want to read this to you. Oscar Wilde confessed, the gods had given me almost everything, but I let myself be lured into long spells of senseless and sensual ease. Tired of being on the heights, I deliberately went to the depths and searched for new sensation. What the paradox was to me in the sphere of thought, perversity became to me in the sphere of passion. I grew careless of the lives of others. I took pleasure where it pleased me and passed on. I forgot that every little action of the common day makes or unmakes character. And that therefore what one has done in the secret chamber... One has someday to cry aloud from the housetop. I ceased to be the Lord over myself. I was no longer the captain of my own soul, and I didn't even know it. I allowed pleasure to dominate me, and I ended in horrible disgrace. As a body today, we must come to see ourselves as living in two different worlds. See, the outer world is that part of our existence which is easiest to evaluate in terms of success, popularity, wealth, beauty, our outer or public world is easier to deal with. Amen? We can always dye our hair. We can puff it up, cut it out. Amen? Shave it off. 
get a new shirt. My mommy and daddy got me a nice new shirt. You can always buy new clothes. Amen. You can fix the outer world. Thank you, mommy and daddy. It looks so nice. It is much more measurable, visible, and expandable. Isn't that the truth? Our inner, here we go, is more spiritual in nature. Here is a center which choices and values can be determined, where solitude and reflection might be pursued. This is a place for conducting worship and confession, a spot where the moral and spiritual pollution of the times need not penetrate. But I wonder today, do we have these things backwards? I wonder, is our inner man really being protected? Why do we come to a time of fasting and prayer? Our public worlds are filled with seemingly infinite demands upon our time, our loyalties, our money, and our energies. Hosea chapter 10 and verse number 12 says, Sow with a view to righteousness. Reap in accordance with kindness. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. And I believe that is a verse for us today. It is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. Fasting and prayer is turning that fallow ground of our lives. It's time to cultivate our hearts, minds, and wills. Think about that. I know today we've lost the, the farming mentality in our area today and in our culture and our society. But I remember growing up as a kid in the end of my sixth grade year, we moved out to the countryside a little bit outside of town. And my parents bought this house on five acres and it, and it overlooked just forever. I mean, you could just see for miles. Farmland, farmland, farmland. And every year there'd be something different planted. One year it was hay, then it was corn, then it was weed or all these different things, alfalfa. But it was amazing. Every year after they harvested all that stuff, they didn't just leave the ground. I was like, sweet, they harvested, now they go cash it in and then, you know, I'll see them next year. No, the minute they were done, they started cultivating that ground. They started pouring fertilizer into it. They started turning it over and preparing it for the next crop. Amen? What is the time of fasting and prayer? It's a time to set aside, to, to stir up, to cultivate, so that God can begin to produce something greater. Amen? And it may not be something you've ever seen before. So many times we fast and we pray and we expect to see something we saw before. But I submit to you today that it could be something all new this year. Amen? See, there are dimensions of our glorious Lord that will never be revealed to the casual, disinterested worshiper. There are walls of intercession that will never be scaled by dispassionate, dispassionate religious services. But when you take steps to break out of the ordinary and worship Him as He deserves you will begin to see the facets of his being you never knew existed. He will begin to share secrets with you about himself, his plans, and his desires for you. When you worship God as he deserves, he is magnified. Amen? Amen. Why do we come together to pray? Why do we fast? So that our God can be magnified. Amen? Point number two this morning, how to fast and pray. Pastor gave you some outlines, and I want to submit a thought to you this morning. Fasting is not merely going without food for a period of time. Amen? We can all go a couple days without food, but that's starving ourselves. Amen? I know I can go about two hours, and i got to have a snack. And now I write it off as it's because I'm, I'm fit, I'm exercising. i got to feed myself every two hours, right, Danny? Yep. But see, going without food is just starving, maybe even dieting. But fasting, it is not. Nor is fasting something done only by a bunch of fanatics. Fasting is not to be done only by religious monks alone in a cave somewhere. And it's not giving up something you already hate. I always laugh at my mom every year. She, she goes, I'm giving up Brussels sprouts. And I'm like, you don't even eat them. I know, that's why I'm giving them up. I'm like, no, you can't do that. Amen? You can't give up something you already hate, okay? Let's set that in motion tonight, all right? Or today, this morning, whatever time it is. The practice of fasting is not limited to ministers or to special occasions. It should be something that we do with our lives. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 16. I know I'm probably going a little fast for you this morning, but 
I have a lot I want to impart into you, and you can always get it on CD if it was worth listening to again. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 16 says, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You say this morning is fasting truly important. Well, I would submit to you that Jesus provided the pattern by which each of us should live as a child of God. That pattern is addressed in these specific duties of a Christian. Giving, praying, and fasting. See, Jesus said when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. He made it very clear that fasting, like giving and praying, was a normal part of our Christian life. I know I fail in this area. I give. I'm, I'm faithful in my giving. I serve with my time. We give of our finances. We tithe. We, we honor God. Amen? We serve. We pray. Amen? But I know I struggle sometimes with fasting. I go through seasons where I have like a, a day of the week that I fast. I challenge our our team and the youth to to set aside a day where you give up something and and we did it for a while and then we just kind of get going back in life amen but there's special times where we can come together as a body and devote a time and a season to prayer and fasting you say well what what do i fast how to fast and pray there's all kinds of different fasts and i i would submit to you i know many people do the daniel fast they i mean whatever if it's electronics if it's social media, whatever is a pull in your life. Something that is truly going to be a sacrifice. Amen? For me to fast TV right now is totally pointless. I don't even have TV. Okay? Just being real. For me to fast alcohol is totally pointless. I don't drink alcohol. Amen? You read in the Bible, there's different types. There's a liquid fast where Daniel went on liquids only. And then you find there was the partial fast where he stood and he said, I won't eat any meat. I won't eat any sweets. I won't do this or do that. Amen? There's abstaining from activities or entertainment. But I would submit to you today, find something. Pastor may get up at the end and give you more information. But pick something for the next 21 days to sacrifice. But don't just go without and and be miserable. Amen? And complain like Jesus said, don't walk around and be depressed and lonely because you haven't been able to check Sports Center for two days. Trust me, they'll still be there. Amen? Sports will go on and, and hopefully they'll quit paying these guys as much and, and life will be better. Amen? We won't talk about that. Point number three this morning, what I really want to get to why fasting, why prayer, what it produces. What does fasting and prayer produce? This morning I submit to you it produces a desire to see God glorified in whatever the circumstances. It produces a recognition of God's sovereignty. It produces praise for God's grace and mercy in Christ. It produces praise for God's grace in others' lives. It produces a desire for the gospel to be proclaimed among all people. And lastly, it produces a recognition of our sin and our hopelessness apart from Christ. Think about that. If you want your heart to be changed, start fasting. Amen? The more I separate myself unto God, the more I'm motivated to have a different level of mercy, a different level of understanding, a different um, tune with God. I, I feel more in tune with the Spirit of God. I feel like I hear God's voice better. When I read the Word, I feel like His Word speaks to me more. When I see people in need, I feel more compelled to move according to their need. I Just saying. See, it was said of the apostles in Acts chapter 17 and verse number 6, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither. This passage of Scripture has done something in my heart and in my life. As you start thinking about the book of Acts and what had transpired in the lives of these men, to get to the point in chapter 17 where the, um, the leaders of the cities and the towns 
stopped and they recognized that the men of God were coming to turn their city upside down. And I wonder today, could God use us in a way like that again, where people would turn and say, this church, this body of believers is turning and changing this city upside down. Amen. There's a story told of an eccentric English evangelist who took that text for one of his open-air sermons in a new place. He began by saying, first, the world is wrong side up. Secondly, the world must be turned upside down. Third, we are the men to set it right. Amen? I believe that today. I believe that God is still looking for righteous men and women of God that will separate themselves, will sacrifice personal time. See, Jesus came in demonstration and power. Think about everything we read of Jesus' life. The things that he accomplished, the things that he did. The miracles he performed. But we always want those byproducts of what Christ did. Amen? How many of you guys would love to see the miracles that Jesus performed being performed through your life? Okay, so like five of you. All right, cool. Two more. Cool. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, cool. So we're slowly getting it. All right. Cool. But how many of you guys read that in your Bible? You know, we always talk about read the red and pray for the power, right? But it's amazing when you read the red, you find out the things that he had to do in order to walk in the power. You read the times where he challenged his disciples and he said, could you not tarry one hour? Could you not pray? Slapping them on the back of the head, quit falling asleep. That'd be me, amen? (laughs) Can you not fast? Can you not seek the Lord? Can you not pray in order to walk in the power? The disciples started going out and trying to do the marvelous wonders and miracles that Jesus was performing. They come back and we don't have the faith. And Jesus said, no, you have faith. Only these things come out by what? What? And yet as a body today, We walk around and we wonder why we're powerless, why we're helpless, why we sit in our churches and we answer altar call after altar call and we're like, God, why is my life not changing? But I would submit to you today that there are only things that come out by prayer and by fasting. See, the disciples followed in demonstration and power. And I believe today it's time for us to walk in demonstration and power. I remember the account of the Jericho walls where where the men were commanded to to just march and pray. Not to speak, not to say out loud, but to just march in unison around the city walls for seven days. How many of you would stand there and go, man, this is dumb. What's the point of this? For seven days, I'm just supposed to walk? We're not supposed to clap and talk about what you know, our best sports team is. We're not supposed to talk about our, you know, this or that. We're just supposed to walk. But then on that seventh day, when that trumpet sounded and the walls fell down, I can guarantee that every one of them stood there and go, God, I'm so glad I was obedient and I sacrificed my time. I listened and I acted accordingly to what you asked of my life. The upper room in the book of Acts a collective body of disciples coming together in unison to receive a power that enabled them to go into their cities and perform miracles in the name of the Lord. I would submit to you, could we have that upper room experience in the next 21 days as a body, as a congregation, that we could go out and we could turn our cities upside down. I don't know about you, but I'm believing for greater things to transpire in my life. And I ask you today, what has transpired before the eyes of those in the upper room? that would cause them to be so hungry, so thirsty, that they were in such a state of wonder that they were willing to lose everything to gain something they would never gain on their own. What did these men experience in their eyes that caused them to live in such a way that they were so hungry and so thirsty for the power of God to invade a room that it would change their lives forever? Was it an experience? Was it a hope? Or was it an obedience to the Spirit of God. What happened through a generation 
if we returned to that place of total surrender? What would happen to a generation if we would stand as men and women of God and give our time, our sacrifice, and our obedience to the great and living God? See, I tell you today, they gave everything holding nothing back in pursuit of something that nobody will ever understand in the natural. They gave of their time like that woman that poured that alabaster box at Jesus' feet. They gave everything, holding nothing back. And I want to ask you today, what are you willing to give? Many of you are sitting there and you're contemplating what you're going to give. And as you're contemplating, you're thinking and then you're reasoning with God and you're saying, God, but, God, I know you're asking, but, God, I know, but, I want to ask you, are you willing to pour it out like that woman did at the feet of Jesus? Bill, if you would come back this morning. Turn to Isaiah chapter 44 and verse number 3. What are you willing to give in order to receive? I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being half-filled. I'm tired of, of, of wondering if God can do something more. I know I'm, I'm fully filled, but do you get what I'm saying this morning? I'm tired of waking up every morning going, God, is it, is it something in me? God, is there something that needs to change in me? For me to do more, for me to see more, to be a part of more? Not, not for my glory. But I walk through this city and I talk to people and I hear the dismay. I hear the brokenness. I see the sick and the lame and I wonder, God, could your power change their lives? Isaiah 44 and verse number 3 says, For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. In the next chapter, Isaiah 45 and verse number 8 says, Drip down, O heavens, from above. Let the clouds pour down righteousness and let the earth open up and salvation bear fruit and righteousness spring up with it. I, the Lord, have created it. This morning as we close, He promises a complete filling of the inner man and God's supreme power coming down. I don't know about you, but I'm thirsty for more this year. I'm not satisfied. I'm like that man that can never drink enough water when you're walking through the desert. It may be dry out there, but I can tell you I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for more of God. Could that fire fall on us once again as a corporate body could our cities be turned upside down you say what does prayer and fasting produce so many times people think that there's no effect oh it's not going to matter if I miss out there'll be ten other people God you just need one As we were praying this morning, as God was speaking, and Cole, he's across the street working with the, the kids, and, and this is what God spoke to his heart as we were praying for the service this morning. He said, God told him, many have asked themselves, what's wrong? What's the problem? What's the matter with me? Am I missing something? And the Lord says nothing. He says, you're building your house upon the rock, upon the truth of my word. It's time to dig deep. He said the vision that God gave him was that of the Twin Towers. He said they had to dig 175 feet down in order to lay the foundation. Before they could ever go up, they had to go down. But now it's the tallest building in the skyline of New York City. And I want to ask you today, you question, what does my sacrifice mean? What good would a corporate body come together and produce? What, what could happen? I could tell you, we could go down. And we could dig deeper. 
so that God could maybe bring something up a little bit higher. Amen? So that people could be touched, so that people could be changed. What does corporate prayer produce? 15 years ago, there was a body of believers that prayed for a young man. Two days ago was the anniversary of me being shot. And I can tell you it is because of this church and the people that prayed for my life that just stood with our pastors and prayed. I'm alive today. And I wonder how many lives are on the outside of this place that are connected to my sacrifice. How many lives are connected to us just going without something for 21 days? As I close today, what will be your commitment? I want you to just take a moment and close your eyes for just a moment. Maybe many of you are like me and we walk out these doors and your kids start pulling on you, your, your wife or your husband or you're, you're driving and, and you're going, but it's, it's a moment like this right now, this morning, where God speaks to our hearts. And I want you to examine your heart for a moment. Maybe you're in this room and you say, well, I don't even know the Lord. I don't even know why I would examine my heart, but I would submit to you that there's a loving God that 15 years ago spared my life. He's the same loving God as Teresa told me this morning that that one that's in this room that has contemplated suicide in this last week, he's the same God that can rescue you from your despair. He's the same God that can fill you with joy, peace, and give you a life that you never thought you could have. But in this moment this morning, God is speaking to many of our hearts, and he's asking something of you right now. And as you sit here, I want you to take that outline that pastor gave you and be sensitive for one moment. Say, God, what am I supposed to sacrifice for the next 21 days? Is it a meal? Is it food? Is it liquids? Is it entertainment? Is it hobbies? Is it, what, what is it? What is something that I partake of every, every day for the next 21 days that I'm going to go without? Maybe it's coffee. Maybe it's Starbucks. Maybe it's something that has a grip on your life. That if I told you you can't have tomorrow morning, you would have a hard day. That's sacrifice. I believe it's time for us to go down a little deeper in God. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for every heart and life in this room. God, as a body, as you've called us in this season, in this time, how fitting is it that the first day of a new year is the first day we come together as a body, the first day we start something together. God, I thank you in this moment. You're speaking to every heart and life in this room. If that's you this morning, that this last week, or so, maybe you've been that person that has contemplated your meaning in life, your purpose in life. What does your existence even amount to? 
They say this time of year is the most pressure-filled time of anybody's life. The pressure of, of, of the holidays and, and the despair that people go through because of family and, and the things that we've experienced. But today, if that's you, I'm going to ask the ministry team to come. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to take a very bold step this morning and to stand to your feet and to come forward and let us agree in prayer with you. If that's you this morning, please do not let this service pass without God touching your heart and your life. I can tell you today that nobody in this room is going to judge you. Nobody in this room is going to think differently of you. Every person in this room is going to embrace and love and accept and be here to help strengthen and pray for you. So if that's you, if you'd stand and come forward this morning to the altar. now at this moment if you've heard God speak to your heart write down what your commitment's going to be maybe some of you have already made that decision maybe some of you have already prepared we went to Costco and I've never bought so many vegetables in my life at one time what will be your commitment to God and I want to challenge you to write that down now. Will you start the 2012 with the outer man in control or the inner man? I don't know about you guys, but I'm moved by hearing the stories of lives being changed. Every time I see a young person's life changed, it motivates me to press a little more. Every time I see a person healed at this altar, it motivates me to press a little bit more. Every time I hear of somebody being witnessed to out on the streets in their lives, coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ, it impresses me a little bit more. And I want to ask you today, what is that commitment that you'll make to God? Father, I thank you today for your word and what you desire to do in and through us as a body of believers. God, as we walk through our community, we see so much need. God, I thank you in the next 21 days, you will show and reveal to us more. God, that you would bring the increase of what is needed to do what you've called us to do in this community. God, we thank you for our pastors. God, we, we pray your hand upon their lives like never before. Greater clarity, greater vision, greater understanding. And God, we give you praise and glory in this house this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Pastor. Thank you. Amen. God's good, amen. Praise God. What a great word. I want to just say two things for you before I release you this morning. A couple areas. And uh, the first way you begin to fast is that, especially this week, in order to be here, you would have to fast your regular schedule. Because all of us have a schedule for the week. We do things. So if I had to be obedient to God, I would have to put that aside in order to give God the time to be here in the evenings to pray. And then I want you to hear this. Everywhere in the Bible that men and women sought after God, God provided a special grace for them to say yes to Him. Paul talked about it from 2 Corinthians 12. He says, God, I'm pressed and I'm beyond my area of ability and strength. And I feel so weak. But when I'm weak, your grace abides upon me. 
my own ability. Amen? There's a special grace. A couple weeks ago, Sally Snow goes, Pastor, I was reading that where Moses went up on the mountain and he was 40 days and then he came back down and then he turned right around and was there another 40 days and then just a couple verses later like another 40 days like 120 days with no food or water how did he survive? great grace but God calls you and he graces you to do that amen Paul said in Romans Chapter 12 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves as a living sacrifice. In these first 21 days, if you could make that sacrifice to present yourself to the Lord. I don't know about you. I sense such a stirring about this year for what God has in store. I really believe that this is going to be a year of great demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit through God's people. God working through his people in very unique ways. But there has to be something where we bring ourselves into agreement with God. And it is. It can be food. It can be other things. If you look inside the little handout they gave you, at the bottom of the inside page, it says this. There's no greater duty than what we're called, that we're called to than that of seeking the Lord. There's no greater cause that we could give ourselves to than that of finding His heart purpose and will for our lives there's no greater employ that we could be offered than that for which we were created which is to know our God and to hear his voice Genesis 3 and verse 8 tells us that man was designed in the beginning to get his input from the voice of the creator this input was to be the direction that his life took God's plan for man was to live by his spoken word that came to him out of relationship with the Father. Not just a written word in a book, but a personal God-breed direction for his life. 21 days out of 365. One week out of 52. Just so little that could be given to God. Amen? I mean, three weeks out of that could be given to God. One week of just prayer. Seven days of prayer. So much is left over. But saying, God, I want to find you. I want to seek you. I want, I want to do something that sets this year different. And it doesn't really take a resolution. We're not talking about a New Year's resolution, but doing something, as, as Sean said, spiritually on the inside that changes us, that renews us, that restores us, and puts us back on that right path. There's a quote that I had in here on the last page. It says this, says God has no greater controversy with his people than this that there are boundless promises to believing prayer and there are so few who actually give themselves into intercession wherever the church is aroused and the world's wickedness is arrested somebody has been praying amen and then Samuel Shadwick said this he says the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying he fears nothing from prayerless studies prayerless work and prayerless religion he laughs at our toil he mocks at our wisdom but he trembles when we pray amen and there's something so dynamic about taking this season and giving it to prayer and to fasting and I encourage you to come join us I like what Jensen Franklin said he said we can fast and that's great but fasting without prayer is just a diet amen it's just a diet but fasting and prayer as Sean taught so great this morning, releases that dynamic of spiritual power in our life. And there's something, Brother Cole, as he said, there's something about digging deep. And this first week, that's just what we're going to do. We're just going to seek God. I'm going to ask you, put aside, we're not coming with petitions. We're not coming with prayer lists. We're just coming to go after God. Amen? This first week. Praise God. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Lord, you're such a gracious God to us. You love us so much. Father, no matter what we do, no matter what choices we make, you said you never let go of us. You keep calling us. Father, I believe you stirred in each one of our hearts or something by your Spirit you're stirring in us for this year that's different than what we've sensed in you before. 
And Lord, today I pray for your people. I pray your grace upon their lives. The grace that empowers them to say yes to you. To rise up. To resist every word that the enemy would bring. To cause us to stay where we are. To be satisfied. Father, that hunger and that desire that you bring that would stir us to move and to stretch ourselves and to push ourselves into what you have for our life. Father, we bless you today. And we say yes to you with all that we are. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Let's see, ushers, just to turn the lights down just for a moment. Eli, if you'll cue that video, I just want you to watch this just as we dismiss this morning. Amen. This year, say, God, I'm going to place myself in your hands to reshape, reform me. That's what Paul said. He's the potter and we're the clay. And there's something about that. I just sense this. If you can hear this today, what Sean said, what I'm trying to share my heart with you right here, that if we can approach this year brand new and fresh, say, God, do something, reform, reshape, redo. This last couple days, I'm preparing I was given a word from the Lord when I was 47 that 50 to 70 would be my most productive year I'll be 59 this year I think God I have 11 years left that you promised productivity that I can either take that word casually and just think God's going to do something great or I can understand that he needs my agreement to do something great he needs me to yield to that, to allow Him to work in me and to shape and to mold me into the vessel that He needs me to be. Amen? And I don't know about you, this has been some crazy, last few years have been some crazy stuff happening in our family and all kinds of things. But every time God's promised something to do something great or reveal something to us, it always comes and the enemy tries to thwart the plan of God. But I purpose I'm going to see it through. Amen? So you join us this week. Tonight we'll be here at 6 o'clock. Tomorrow night, all the way through the week at 7 o'clock. Let's say, God, here I am. I'm that clay. You can have me. And let's see what God will do when we give Him this week. Your fast could be just being able to be here. It might be the biggest fast of your life. Being at church seven nights in a week. Amen. Everybody laughing? Yeah, right, Pastor. Good try. Yeah. Amen. But we love you. We'll be here tonight, tomorrow night, every night. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We love you in the Lord. Amen.